بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين جل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعله من أعوانه الأنصار اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوهن وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن أولي رحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين. We were discussing different aspects of Islamic theory of ethics. And so far, Alhamdulillah, we've been able to explain the role of actions and the role of qualities and the relative priority of qualities over actions, not all the time, but in general. And then we talked about how we can understand whether a quality is good or bad and we said that it can be understood based on the outcomes of the actions which can originate from that quality so if there is a quality which is acted upon you can see what outcomes would be there it's not necessary to be acted upon, but if it was acted upon, what outcome it would have. Like for example, if there is a person who is generous, this quality of generosity maybe is not always acted upon because the person is generous but has no money or is generous but there is no one who is in need. So sometimes the quality is there but there is no action or a person who is brave but there is no way uh, in which he shows his bravery. But if that quality is acted upon, or in other words, the actions which relate or correspond to that quality, those actions, if they have good outcomes, then that quality also become good. If those actions have bad outcomes, that quality become, also becomes bad. This is one way. Then I said, there is another way, and that is to start with the qualities themselves. Not necessarily going to the actions and the outcomes of the action. And here I mentioned two ways. One is to see which qualities are more human. The other way is the traditional Aristotelian way uh, that we talked about different faculties of human soul and how virtues and vices can be defined according to each faculty. Now we want to continue our discussion and that is about actions. How we can define an action. In other words, in Islamic ethics, when an action becomes good, when an action is bad. So if you want to understand whether, for example, abortion is good or bad, whether telling lies is right or wrong. So you need to know when 
something becomes good, when something becomes bad, and then based on that, you can decide about that particular case. Those who believe in virtue ethics, they believe that first we should define the qualities, the virtues, and then based on that, we can decide about the actions. It's quite opposite to what is the first way of understanding which quality is good. You know, the first way was, uh, you know, you decide about the action and then the quality which corresponds to that action becomes good or bad. So those who believe in virtue ethics, they say that first you decide about the action, the quality, and then based on that, you say this action is coming from a virtuous quality, so this action is good. But we believe that we don't need to do that. We don't need to think that if this action is repeated and repeated and any quality is developed, then what would be that quality? Whether it would be good or bad, then we say this action is good or bad. No, we can directly come to an action and decide whether it is good or bad, or right or wrong. How? We said there are different theories. One theory was teleological theory, the other was deontological. Because both of them focus on action. We believe that teleological view is better. Of course, uh, some of our contemporary writers, uh, they thought that uh, Islamic view is deontological view because, for example, for us, duty is very important. It's, you know, obligation is very important. But, uh, inshallah, I will explain that that is not... Uh, in my understanding, that is not the right, uh, no, best view. Uh, in Islam, an action becomes good when it produces good result. We are teleological, teleo. Remember, it said telos means end. For us, there is an ultimate end. What is that ultimate end? Nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Qurb. Al-Qurb min Allah. Nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our ultimate end. Uh, inshallah sometime in future we should talk about the concept of Qurb. Which is very beautiful concept. Uh, in the course on Islamic belief system. We discussed what is orb or nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it will become clear that this is not a very, you know, abstract concept. It's a very uh, real and concrete concept. In any case, our ultimate end in our actions is to achieve nearness to God. Or you can say perfection, because for us perfection is nearness to God, because God is the most perfect so when you get closer to God, then you achieve your own perfection. Or you can say, for example, to become a human being who has developed his humanity, Ensana Kamil, a perfect man. They are all referring to the same reality. Any action that help us in our pursuit of perfection or nearness to God is good. 
So the outcomes should be checked against that ultimate end. If it's helping, if it's taking you one step, few steps further towards your ultimate end, that action is good. Of course, you know that sometimes an action can have a combination of results, then you should be very careful. You know, if some action helps you, say 5%, and it stops you or, you know, troubles you 10%. So you are not going to do that action. Yeah? Because sometimes, you know, something may have a good also outcome, but the bad can overweigh, you know, the good. So you don't do it. When will you do a good action? If the results are either purely good or what? Not just better. Ah, this is very complicated. When it's not purely good, then it's very complicated. It needs lots of discussion. For example, I cannot this is a different, uh, sorry, this is a flashing. The, uh, the plug is not on the switch. Mm. Okay. Now it's so when this is not connected, it flashes. I don't know when we are not connected to God, what flash we give. <laughs> it needs someone to notice. You know. Uh, that is a discussion that I don't want to uh, get into that discussion now, but just to a little bit exercise your mind, okay? You know, those who are utilitarian, they say that greater good for larger number of people. And we have problem with this. Why? Because, for example, I can take money from five people, I can rob, from five people, then and give to 50 people. Is it good? Yeah. It's not good. Although, overall good is more, but this doesn't justify an action. So we have a clear, you know, methodology here in Usul al-Fiqh. So we cannot say an action is good if overall result is good. Sometimes there are problems in an action that can make it not permissible, even if there are many good things coming from it. Okay? For example, maybe by telling a lie, I can, for example, do some, you know, 
good tabligh. Yeah? I can bring some people, you know, towards, for example, what I think to be the right way. But this is not acceptable in Islam. You know, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lost his son, then there was eclipse. And many people said it is because of Rasulullah losing his son. Okay, Rasulullah could have used this as an opportunity to do tabligh. Say, look, didn't I tell you that Allah has sent me? Yeah? Or at least he could have kept silent. Let people say this. He should have. But Rasulullah didn't use this and didn't keep silent. He said, no, these are signs of God. And they don't, you know, happen according to who is dying, who is, you know, not dying. It has nothing to do with my son's, you know, death. Okay? So, we cannot, you know, say ends justify means. Okay? Although you may say, oh, a little lie. A little lie is not a problem. No. A little lie is a problem. Yeah? A little bribery is a problem. A little usury is a problem because you cannot bring good by using bad means. Okay? Sometimes, unfortunately, we think that success comes from money, from worldly you know, means. But success doesn't come from that. You can be without money and succeed. You can be a person who has lots of money but is not succeeding. So, an action is good if it brings about good results. And we mean by good, you remember I said the first good, second good, you know, they are different. Mm -hmm. An action is good when it brings good results. And we mean by good results something that serves our purpose. And that is to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Either the results are all good, or if there are good results and bad results, bad results are not that strong that should be avoided. In other words, they are not haram, they are makruh. If they are makruh, then it's okay. But it's very uh, sophisticated issue. <clears throat> Sometimes a time comes that even we may need to do something which is primarily haram. When there is no other choice. But sometimes it has methodology. For example, a person is droning in the house next to me. He has gone for swimming to the pool. He's droning. No one to help. And I don't have permission to go to that house. Islamically, it's haram to go to someone's house without permission. But if I don't go, that person is killed. He's droning. So I should go and save that person. And the significance of someone's life is so high in Islam that it overrides the badness of entering to the house of someone without permission. Okay? 
So it's not that you always don't do it as long as there is a haram. It depends. Sometimes there is no way to avoid that haram. And a very important thing in the view of Allah, not in my view, something in the view of Allah, like life. Life is very important in the view of Allah. Is in danger. So then, according to the Sharia, we realize which one is to be given priority. This is not me deciding. Everything is according to Islam. Islam says life is more important than property of someone. Although property is very important, but life is more important than property. Yeah? So, if you want to not go into those details, so we just say an action which helps us in getting closer to our ultimate end is good, but helping has lots of details. We don't go to that details now. An action which not only is not helpful, rather it's stopping us. Then it's bad. Our ulama have a beautiful terminology which is helpful. You know, in uh, Shia jurisprudence, we believe that Allah's legislation is best uh, is based on real interest and harm. Interest and harm. Al masalih wal mafasid al Allah's legislation is not arbitrary. Is based on interest and harm. Okay, so there is a calculus of interest and harm, and based on that, Allah ask us to do something or not to do something. Those actions which produce something which is securing our interest, okay? Sometimes the interest that they produce is so fundamental and crucial for our happiness that we cannot reach happiness without them. They become wajib. Okay? An action that produces some maslah, some interest that is necessary for our happiness, without which we cannot reach our happiness, that action becomes wajib, it's obligatory. And that maslaha is called al maslaha al mulzima. Al maslaha al mulzima means brings obligation. Because it's so important that we cannot do without it. Sometimes it has ability to produce maslaha and interest. <coughs> but even without that, we can still manage to reach happiness. Then it becomes mustahab. Mustahab is something that helps us, takes us closer to our ultimate end. But it's not that if you don't do that mustahab, you will not reach. Still you can reach. But maybe it slows down. 
maybe it takes you not to the very high levels, to the lower level. But still, without doing mustahabbat, still it's possible to reach. Okay? So this is not maslahi mulzama, it's ghayrul mulzama. Okay? So, the actions which secure our interest, that is, they help us in our pursuit of perfection, sometimes the outcome, the result is so fundamental, so necessary that they become obligatory. Sometimes the outcome is very useful, but still without them we can manage. It's possible still. Yeah? Suppose if someone doesn't say Salatul Layl, still he can go to heaven. Still he can get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Salatul Layl helps a lot. Yeah? It can facilitate, it can uh, speed up. Or it can take you to higher levels. For Rasulullah, it was compulsory because Allah wanted to give him maqam Mahmud. So he said, You must do tahajjud. But if someone doesn't do Salatul Layl, still he can be a good person, still he can go to heaven, still he can be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe very slowly, or maybe not very high, but still he can. So Salatul Layl is not made wajib for us. Yeah, it's very highly recommended. But if someone doesn't do Salatul Fajr, he cannot go to heaven. Yes, maybe Allah forgives, maybe he does a tawbah, then those are some fixation. We are talking about the ordinary way. On the other hand, any action that causes harm to your journey and that harm is so great that it stops you. It cannot go further. Or Na'uzubillah pushes you back. It's not just it stops you, it pushes you back. Then that action becomes haram. Why? Because there is a harm which is taking away from you the chance of reaching happiness or sa'adah. Our ulama call this al-mafsadah al-mufavvitah. Al-mafsada al-mufavvita. Mufavvit tafwit. Means this is a kind of harm that makes the chance of sa'ada zero. Mufavvit. Fout. You know fout. If an action harms, but still you can carry on, then it is and the action becomes what? Makro. The action is makro. What about an action which doesn't help you and doesn't harm you? It's mubah. 
from fiqhi point of view, we have mubah. But from moral point of view, from a spiritual point of view, it seems that we don't have mubah. Why? Why you don't have mubah? Because our life is limited. Our resources are limited. Unless we make something good, we are losing. Yeah? There is no three ways. Or there is no middle way. Either you are winning, gaining, making profit, or you are losing. Like what? Like a person who is selling ice in a very hot day in summer in Saudi Arabia or, you know, in Kuwait or Bahrain. Very hot. Yeah? You are selling ice. If you don't do any business, you cannot say, okay, I'm not, you know, losing, I'm not, you know, making profit. Your capital is going. Yeah? This is khesara. Khesara is this, that your capital is going. Your ice is melting. I don't know how much of that ice is left. Yeah, sometimes it looks big, but you see that it's inside, you know, empty. So it means the time is finished. So, from a moral point of view, we don't have that much, you know, uh, mubah, that much, you know, neutral. If I want to change my terminology to a Quranic terminology, that you are familiar with, I can say it seems that either an action brings light or darkness. There is no middle way. Either you are gaining light or you are going to lower level of light. Either your journey is from darkness to light or from light to darkness. يخرجهم Allah It's I'm not saying it's impossible. It's very difficult to imagine that you can be just remaining in where you are. It seems that either you are making progress or you are coming down. You cannot, you know, remain as you are. Yeah? When uh, there is a competition, it's like this. In competition, you cannot say, I stay where I am. No, if you stay where you are, this is also a loss. Yeah? You have to go forward. So, any action which is in Islamic legislation, Islamic law, made obligatory or compulsory, which is wajib, or recommended, which is mustahab, or prohibited, which is haram, or disliked, which is makruh, has a real reason. Because Allah doesn't command arbitrarily. We believe that there is real reason for that. The same we say it from ethical point of view. Every action which becomes morally good or bad is based 
on what that action produces, what that action brings about. If it brings about something that can help us in our pursuit of perfection, that becomes a good action. If it doesn't help us in that, and it stops us or takes us back, it's a bad action. So we can focus directly on the actions. Here, there is a very beautiful point made by the late Sheikh Muzaffar, Muhammad Raza Muzaffar, Rahmatullah in his book, Usul al-Fiqh. He makes a very good point, which is very helpful in the usul and in akhlaq also. Actions by themselves may not have moral status. But depending on which moral status they acquire, then they will be given a moral judgment. For example, if you imagine walking, is walking morally good or bad? Walking as such doesn't have any ruling. Walking in, has no moral status as such by itself. We have to see which moral title, which moral judgment apply to it. For example, walking where? Where are you walking to? Why are you walking for? For example, I am walking to have some physical exercise. Okay, this is good. Morally, this is good. But I am walking, for example, to go and harm an innocent person. This is bad. Why you are walking to harm an innocent person? I am walking to go to a haram meeting. This walking is haram. So walking as such has no ruling. Yeah? Drinking, even drinking water, as such has no ruling. Are you drinking water when you are supposed to be fasting? So that's a problem. Are you drinking water when you want to break your fast? That's a good drinking water. Or for example, you are drinking water because you want to save your life. This becomes wajib. <coughs> I am dying and I have to save my life by drinking water. This becomes wajib. Yeah? Or for example, you know, I don't know, this is water of Zamzam. It's mustahab, for example, to drink. Uh, when you go for Hajj, you know, there is dua for drinking uh, Zamzam. Allahumma ja'alhu li ilman nafa'an. وَرِزْغًا وَاسَعًا وَشِفَاءً مِنْ كُلَّ دَائِنْ وَسُقْءٍ Inshallah, Allah gives us a chance to drink Zamzam water there, Inshallah. So, drinking water can be different 
according to the titles we call N1, according to different anavin that apply to it. What about telling truth? You realize that, again, telling truth can be different, but it's not like drinking and walking. You feel there is a difference. Yeah? Do you feel the difference? So what is the difference? Always? Yeah, so it's not based on So telling truth is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Maybe most of the time good, but exceptional cases bad. For example, by telling truth, you are endangering an innocent life. Okay? By telling the truth, you are creating division between a husband and a wife. You go to the husband and say exactly what his wife said. You tell the truth. Or maybe you record what she said. <laughs> yeah, so you are not telling a lie. You are telling the truth exactly as it was. But this is not morally good. <coughs> Why you know you are saying this truth to that person? Yeah? So you cannot say telling truth is always good. Sometimes you have to keep silent. Sometimes maybe it is even needed to tell a lie. Of course, once I told you that this is clearly defined in fair, you know, you cannot decide by yourself. You try not to tell the truth, you try to do tariya, but sometimes there is no chance to cause uh, protection or bring protection against a very great harm unless you tell a lie. For example, this person is going to divorce his wife. By a lie, you can save this marriage. There is no other way. You have to tell a lie. So you can save a lie to save that marriage. Because marriage in Islam is very important. Family life is very important. Okay? So, telling truth is in some cases good, in some cases bad, maybe in most of the cases good, in rare cases bad, but it's not the same always. But you feel that there is a difference between telling the truth and drinking water. Both of them are similar in what? In that they are not always good or bad. Yeah? From this point of view, they are the same. But you feel that there is a difference. But explanation is important. Okay, to explain it, let me give you a third example. The third example is justice. And zulm in justice. Justice is always good. Injustice is always bad. You 
cannot say there are cases in which zolm is good. Zolm is always bad. And justice is always good. Okay? So, the late Muzaffar has made very beautiful explanation here. Of course, maybe it is said by some other ulama, but the first person that I have noticed he mentioned this very clearly is him. He says, we have three relations between actions and moral rulings, moral titles, moral judgments. Sometimes there is a necessary relation. If you want to use philosophical term, that action is al-illatu You remember complete cause and incomplete cause? Yes? Uh, you know, everything that you learn in one last lesson is needed for another lesson. So this is why a talabe should remember all the things that he learns. Okay? You cannot say, okay, I uh, don't learn this subject, but I learn another subject. They all help, you know. So if you learn philosophy, it helps you in aqaid. Aqaid helps you in akhlaq. Akhlaq helps you in So everything you have to do. Al-illatu tamma. Al-illatu tamma means that whatever the effect needs in order to come to existence is there. Al-illatu tamma. Opposite to al-illatu naqisa, incomplete cause. For example, if there is fire, this is not enough to have burning of the wood. Why? Because fire is not complete cause. There can be fire but no oxygen. So the wood would not burn. Or if the wood is protected by something, it would not be burned. So fire is not an illatu tamma. Okay. The late Muzaffar says, that sometimes an action is al-illatu tamma for goodness and badness. When it is al-illatu tamma, when it's the complete cause, then it has no chance of variation. Because when al-illatu tamma is there, the effect is there, ma'lul is there. 100%. Because by definition, you say means that whatever you need should come together. So if everything which is needed is together, so you should have the effect. Muslim scholars have so far, as far as I have seen and other people have said, so it seems that for Muslim scholars, the only thing that they believe is al-illatu for goodness is adl, adl, justice, justice. This shows how important is justice. Justice is always necessarily good. It's very fundamental. 
and injustice is bad. Okay? Then, if there are other examples, maybe you can, you know, think and come up with other examples. But so far, it seems that this is the only example that is on record. After this level, we come down. Where the action is not complete cause, but is an incomplete cause, or more precisely, is muqtadi. Is muqtadi. What does muqtadi means? Means it is bringing about if there is no obstacle. If there is no obstacle. Fire is muqtadi for burning. It means that fire can burn but if there is no obstacle. We need two things. We need to have muqtadi and also we need to have no obstacle, no mana. Okay? Al-muqtadi mawjood, al-mana' mafqood. When muqtadi mawjood, mana' mafqood, that happens. Okay? For example, I love to go, for example, to visit my parents, or to go for ziyarah, or to go for learning. That desire in me is muqtazi. Okay? It entitles, it, uh, you know, leads me, pushes me. But sometimes there is money. For example, my health doesn't permit. Or there is no security. Or I don't have money. Okay? So, sometimes there is money, obstacles. But there must be muqtazi. If there is no money, but there is no muqtazi. Many times, people want to learn, but there is no teacher, there is no hose, there is no book, there is no class. Yeah? So they have muqtazi, but there is money. But sometimes there is no money, but also, unfortunately, there is no muqtazi. There is no desire. They don't have any problem. They cannot complain. They cannot say we don't have teacher, we don't have class, yeah? But there is no muqtazi. You know, uh, there is an expression uh, that we use uh, in Farsi a lot. Uh, for example, uh, if I want to come and see you, or for example, to go and see my teacher or whatever, so we say, agar uh, I want to see you. Means if there is no obstacle, I want to see you. And it means that I know that you might have, you know, a problem. Maybe, for example, you are busy, you have commitments. Okay? So I say, if there is no money, there is no obstacle, there is nothing to prevent, I love to see you. So one of ulama, rahmatullah uh, alayhi, one of his students walked with him and they reached his house. So this alam 
you know, want to say goodbye and go inside. This student said, Agar man in Abashat, I want to come in. <laughs> if there is no obstacle. And he said, there is no money, but there is no also muhtazi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no reason. There's no reason. <laughs> okay. So this is a very scholarly, you know, uh, response. <laughs> so we need two things. We need to have muqtazi and no obstacle, no money. Both of them must be there. There must be fire and there must be no obstacle so that it can burn the wood. If there is no money, but also there is no fire, you can say money is okay, money is, but muqtazi also needs. Okay? So we should have both. So, telling truth is muqtazi. I am sorry that I keep uh, using uh, Arabic terms, but these are you know, technical terms, and if, if I want to use something in English, it will be more complicated. So now that you understood muqtazi mane, Please let me use Muqtazimana. So, those who listen this recording or watch it from middle, please start from the beginning. <laughs> okay. Because sometimes nowadays people you know, are not patient, so they start from middle to save time. <laughs> okay. So, telling truth is Muqtazi. But there can be an obstacle. If telling truth is causing big fetna, is causing killing, is causing separation of husband and wife, this is money, this is obstacle. This money doesn't let that telling truth to be good. If that money was not there, Telling truth was good. Do you get the point? But drinking water is not like telling truth. <coughs> drinking water has no muqtazi. <coughs> so you cannot say, okay, both of them are sometimes good, sometimes bad. What is the difference? We say, oh, there's a big difference. <coughs> drinking has no muqtazi from itself doesn't have any requirement, doesn't have any tendency, doesn't entitle anything. <clears throat> yeah? Telling truth by itself is good, but an obstacle can come and change the situation. Okay? Or telling lies by itself is bad. But an obstacle can come and it stops telling lies to be bad. Is it clear? But what about drinking, walking, speaking? By themselves, they don't imply anything. We need something from outside to come and give them moral status. Did you get the point? So here, muhtazi should come from outside. So, the late Muzaffar says, sometimes there is necessity 
like justice and goodness. Always, without exception, is good. Nothing can stop it. Sometimes there is iqtada. It means that this deserves, provided there is no uh, obstacle. There is nothing that ch changes the balance by telling the truth. And sometimes it's not... It's not, you know, it's not also muhtazi. It doesn't imply you have to bring something from outside to make it good or bad. Okay? Did you get the difference? Just this point by itself. Okay? If you understand this point properly is so important that worth coming one month to Jose and just learn this point. It's very important. You know, I don't know whether you appreciate it or not, but till end of your life, it helps you. Inshallah. It's very important. I cannot, you know, say how important it is. And unfortunately, many people, even, you know, some people who have studied may not understand this, but it's very, very important, very delicate issue. Because sometimes people say, you know, Moral values are relative because sometimes sedq is good, sometimes is bad. Killing is sometimes good, sometimes is bad. For example, killing can be good. Like what? Like for example, when a criminal is brought to justice and they kill him. Yeah? Sometimes it's bad. So they think that there is no reason or there is no a standard judgment. No. Everything in Islamic ethics has explanation. Very clear, but for the people who know the methodology, okay? So, when it comes to some actions like drinking, walking, speaking, writing, they have no moral status by themselves. We have to consider something next to them so that we can say whether they are good or bad. Sometimes some actions, like telling truth, in themselves they imply, but still we cannot make the final decision unless we know the surrounding. You understand? Because surrounding may be something that changes. In the first group, surrounding brings the ruling. In the second, surrounding can change. And the third is which never changes. So, actions based on what results, what outcomes they have either become good or bad, become right or wrong. But in this way that I mentioned, sometimes actions can be complete close, sometimes can be muqtadik, sometimes can be just uh, neutral. But in reality, every action either brings good results or bad results. Very hardly you can imagine it's neutral, but I said even neutral after careful consideration you realize that it's not completely neutral. Yeah? For example, if I speak 
and na'uzubillah kamit ghaybah or I do kiss, uh, I tell lie or I break someone's heart this speaking is haram okay if I speak and do something good I teach someone I guide someone I give hope to someone I reconcile between people this is good what if I speak and doesn't benefit and doesn't harm? Okay, from a moral point of view, you can say, okay, it's neutral. But it seems that this is not neutral. Yeah, when, the, when there is no benefit, don't do it. Maybe the benefit is that you want to, uh, for example, make another person happy to give company to something. That is good. You can, you know, have a good intention. I am saying, you know, nonsense. But just to make that person happy. Okay, this is also not neutral. Because you are trying to build a bridge, you know, and make that person happy. You know, someone is very sad. I want him to forget his problems. So I start, you know, talking, you know. I don't want, you know, just to talk. But I want to make that person Forget his problem. This is good. But if there is no real benefit, talking as such is not neutral. It's not neutral, it's bad. We have many, many hadiths about not saying things which are useless. Tarkul kalam fi la yani. When something is not useful, Something is not relevant. We shouldn't say it. Yeah? You know, uh, some people, unfortunately, uh, say about everything. So a person went to someone and said, uh, you know, there is a good news. Your neighbor's cow has given birth. So he said, it's none of my business. Why you are telling me it's not? Mm -hmm. He said, but then they would have milk and they would give you extra milk. <laughs> because you are the neighbor, so there will be fresh milk. So he said, it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it means that if you want to be economical in a speech, there is always a way to cut down our words and speech. Keep it to the minimum, to the necessary. I don't want to say, you know, to become like uh, statues, don't, you know, socialize. But I'm saying, uh, first, reduce it. And also, maybe there is no harm that for some time we'll become a statue. <laughs> when we gain control and we really speak when we want, then you can become another ordinary again person you know sometimes you need to control yourself too much so that you come to the balance yeah yeah you know, in some books i read uh, uh, that some people had this habit i'm not advising and i haven't done myself just something to know they had this habit of putting some sands in their mouth so that they cannot speak. 
because if you want to speak, it's difficult. So either you have to bring them out. Or you, so then anything which was not necessary, they didn't say. Okay? I'm not advising this, but you can understand the reason, the rationale behind this. Because this is the only way to make sure that you don't say anything which is not necessary. Yeah? So, sometimes we need to do something so that we come to the middle position, to the balance. Okay, so, we don't have anything which is really neutral. If you carefully examine, you realize that it is either good or bad. Okay? It's either good or bad. And one of the things that also uh, maybe, I don't know, you agree or not. It seems that in our life, mm -hmm. in this you know, modern world, the things which are not necessary, the things which are not really good, are becoming too much. You know, this, for example, why we have problem of, for example, leisure time. People don't know what to do, you know. They have lots of time, they don't know what to do, and they have just to kill the time. In the past, it was not like this. The least they were doing was some physical exercise, because they had to walk. Yeah? Walk, you know, at least one hour, two hours every day from house to the farm, inside the farm, going back, or there was no car, or not that everyone had car, yeah? At least they were doing some physical exercise. When they were at home, they were speaking, but at least they were speaking with family. Yeah? But now, we are not using our body, yeah? We are just sitting somewhere. Okay, we are using only part of body. <laughs> and we are not using any muscle exercise except fingers. fingers and not with the family, not with the friends. So when you are away, I am sending SMS to you. But when you are here, I'm not talking to you to send someone else who is away. <laughs> what is the point? When I am outside home, I am talking to, for example, someone at home. But when I am at home, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to someone else. Because this gadget has made, you know, has forced itself to us. It decides for me what type of communication I should have. Because I have paid for this. Yeah, I have get used to this. Now, I only make those communications in which I can use this gadget. You know? Maybe don't understand, but you know, unconsciously, we have become like this. You know, unconsciously, I think, why I should speak to this person? Let me speak with someone that is not here so that I can use this. I can always speak to him. He is here, she is here. Yeah, I can always see him. Let me do something that... This is causing lots of problems. And it seems that we have to really work out a guideline here. One of the things that you know, I am very much concerned is maybe if we can put our ideas together and our experiences and come up with a guideline 
on how to use these things and when to use it and to what extent we shouldn't you know use everything which becomes uh, available in the market and which age if i can afford to buy for example you know the most uh, recent for example model of mobile for my child should i do it just because i can afford or there should be some restriction so these are the things that we have to consider anyway uh, so to sum up what we said we can decide whether an action is good or bad directly we can of course understand it in the light of the qualities but we can do it directly to see whether they bring about good results something that can help us in our pursuit of perfection and nearness of Allah or they can stop us or take us back with some details that we explain.